Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hour two underway on the program, carrying you through your afternoon up till two o'clock. Just a reminder for you guys that tonight we've got pregame and postgame coverage for BYU with the Cougar pre and postgame show. Hans Olsen and myself will be on hand at JCW's uh, covering things as they get ready to play in Las Vegas. And then also at eight o'clock, you'll hear Scott Gerard along with Kevin White. They'll have a full, well, I guess, Loveful play-by-play coverage, but their pregame show starts at 8 o'clock ahead of their matchup, speaking of the Utah State Aggies at Washington State. Really, really excited. This should be a really, really fun day full of football. Yeah, I mean, it already has been a fun day full of football. Uh, we just saw, you know, jump around for the first time in 651 days Yeah, in the Penn State versus Wisconsin game, which is all tied up at 10 right now. I did make a trip out to the Camp Randall once upon a time, and seeing jump around in person and participating in it personally – was worth every dime I spent on that trip. Man, I am so jealous. That's one of the things like, that's on my college football bucket list. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it should be on every fan's sure. bucket list, in my opinion. No doubt about that. Um, but some other scores worth noting. Uh, Stanford finally got on the board just before the game ended. They lost to Kansas State 24-7. to I'm, I, I can guarantee exactly what David Shell's going to say postgame. Well, this is a body clock game. It felt like 9 o'clock when we yeah, kicked this off. About you know what? Stanford's just bad. Stanford has fallen, and you don't know how to get them back, at least currently. Yeah, they're they're not good right now. So, you know, that's um, – UConn's still down to Holy Cross. I was going to say, where, where, where's our, where are our Huskies? Where are the it's, UConn it's Huskies? It's close. It's close right now. Okay. It's uh, 31-28, Holy Cross Ooh, with the ball. Okay. Um, they're at their own 23, and it's third and 11, and most of the fourth quarter still to go. So – don't don't count UConn out yet. Well, it's, any uh, of you that are real degenerates, apparently Boston College just beat Colgate fifty-one to nothing, and that covered a forty-two and a half point spread. Wow, wow! You'd have to really be a degenerate, I feel like, to put Skittles on that. But that's just me. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, any other scores we need to be aware of here, Lundy? Before we um, Oregon up fourteen to three against Fresno State. Uh, that one's you know worth noting. And, yes, Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. If you didn't see what he did early in this game on a sack. He is unstoppable. Which I did just see recently on Twitter that he was down and they were looking at his ankle. Uh oh. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that he's okay because it it's just terrible when star players go out and you know you you want to see the best play, mm-hmm. and so you know, fingers crossed for him that he's okay that he can get back into the game and he can continue to play this season. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um. P.S. By the way, on UConn, weren't they like in like the Fiesta Bowl, like a, not even ten years ago? <laughs> Just to see that how far that they have fallen as a football program, it's astounding to me. Uh, unbelievable. All right, well, let's get to some more talk about what to expect from Arizona and BYU tonight. I had a chance to catch up with Mike Luke. He does the pre and post game coverage on Wildcats twelve ninety a.m. down there in Tucson. Also host of the Locked On Wildcats podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, covering all things Arizona. Had great chat with him of what to expect from this game. So let's get to it. Here you go, Mike Luke with myself. Pleased to welcome in now Mike Luke, host of Locked On Wildcats, your daily podcast focused on the Arizona Wildcats, but also he is the pre- and post-game host for Arizona Wildcats football and basketball down there in Tucson. Mike, thank you for taking some time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. How are you, sir? Doing great, Jake, and happy to be on here. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So let's start here. Uh, How excited are you to have uh, the season here, plain and simple? Um, You know, it's... 
it's weird because obviously when you got a team that's dealing with a 12-game losing streak, um, you don't expect a ton. But it's nice, at least in Arizona right now, because you at least have a coach. And again, this is kind of this will sound terrible, but this is kind of where we are. You have a coach that at least cares. He's recruiting well. He's doing all the right stuff around the city. Um, he's staying and doing all the right things, which is a big contrast to where we were the past couple years with Kevin Sumlin. So I'm excited. I don't expect a ton out of this team this year, but I am excited there just to see hopeful improvement and see the program continue to mature in the right direction. By the way, I wanted to ask you about Jed Fish a little bit. I think he was a fairly controversial hire, at least just from the outsider observer. I, I, I'm in Utah, obviously. How have the fans received him? You know, when, when Jed Fish was first hired, everybody was kind of like, huh? I mean, it was met with uh, a lot of rolling eyes and a lot of head scratching. And, again, we don't know if he can coach or not. But what he has done is he's brought in a great staff. I mean, you've got the ex Don Brown, Michigan, old Michigan defensive coordinator. Uh, you got bring in Pete Carroll's son, Brennan Carroll, offensive coordinator. You've got a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that are really well-known around college football. And Fish is a very – Fish is a very uh, optimistic, energetic guy. Um, again, it remains to be seen if he can coach or not. But when you look at how the players have developed and matured physically, at least, he at least shows that he's, you know, he's got a template in place. It just remains to be seen how they're going to look on the field. He is a guy, and this, pardon me just for asking about this, he seems like a very eccentric individual and, and really has a lot of energy to him. And it seems like in that instance alone that can help this program because as you mentioned the the care factor uh, that that has been lacking it seems like at least for the past two coaching hires they've had oh yeah no doubt and you know that's a big part of it because arizona isn't a easy place to win um over the last there's only five schools in power five football that have had one or less uh uh, seasons finishing in the top 25 in the last uh, since 2000 and well, Arizona is one of those schools. So it's not a school that's got a lot of built-in advantages. It's also not a school like a BYU or even maybe a Utah that's got kind of a style of play and MO that fans are familiar with. It basically is kind of a it's a it's a school that just is kind of void of reputation and you know the desert swarm of the 1990s nobody really remembers so it's basically something where you've got to go in there and you've got to build your own legacy which i think for a coach can be kind of exciting um he's right right now i think what's really exciting people is he's brought in so far he's bringing in a nice recruiting class next year that won't help this year obviously but you're looking at a class that could be in the top 25 and in Arizona, that's next to unheard of. That just doesn't happen there, Jake. Uh, it seems like the history is such. And the funny thing about this, uh, there's some very old school BYU fans. I've actually, I've got one of them in my family who remember when Arizona and BYU were in the whack together. You got to go back many, many years oh, for that. But uh, he said that he always looked forward back in those days for these battles against both Arizona and Arizona State, just because it was it was just it was a fun rivalry going back and forth. And since Arizona has gone to the Pac-12, there's that that famous stat: they have not been to the Rose Bowl. How do they fit in the Pac? Are, are they content where they sit currently? 
Oh, I, I think it's impossible to be content because right now, I mean, you know, if we're being honest, this is the worst program in the conference. There's there's just no way around it. Um, now, there isn't really any reason, in my opinion, that you should be worse than a place like Oregon State or this will be this will sound weird because they've had a lot of success, Washington State. But, you know, to me, this is a school that it, it, they shouldn't have top 25 expectations, but this, this is a school that I think that you should be able to win seven games pretty consistently at if you are a good coach. Um, you know, Rich Rod got him to the Fiesta Bowl back in 2014, and he just wasn't able to build on it. So, I mean, you can have success here. I think that just the problem, though, is it's never been able to be sustained, and this is a basketball town. And so if you don't give them something to watch and you just tell them we're going to be good, fans are not going to show up until you actually give them a reason. And I think that's why, you know, at the end of last – or obviously there weren't fans last year, but if there were, you were probably looking at 25,000 showing up, Max. Uh, it seems it seems to be that case, and this is an interesting game upcoming. What uh, obviously Arizona has had a nice little series here with BYU. They played every other year since Kalani Satake took over as head coach in Provo. What is the perception of the Cougars from the Arizona perspective? Um, just that they're going to be. I and this is just my opinion, but I think I speak for a lot of people. I expect BYU to be far too physical in this game. Um, I know you lost. Excuse me, I know you lost your quarterback, um, but to me, BYU is almost at a point now where it's kind of a self-sustaining program where, yes, you're going to lose some guys, but you know what? We're going to have three, four guys in the wings on the offensive and defensive lines that are going to be able to you know, really help out there. And that's where I think Arizona is just going to really struggle because I just don't think they have the horses up front to be able to deal with some of the physicality that uh, BYU should be able to bring. Uh, kind of related to that, do Arizona fans enjoy playing BYU overall? Yeah, I think so. I think so. BYU uh, Arizona is a school that you don't not a lot of not a lot of you know good football programs really look to schedule Arizona, and because there's really no reason for it, because it's not like a win against Arizona really brings any gravitas. But at the same time, you know, and if you lose, then people are saying, "What the heck? You just lost to Arizona." So anytime you can get a school like BYU that, you know, if they're not a top 25 program, they're certainly in that 25 to 35 range. I think, you know, that's, that's certainly something that fans like seeing because it at least gives you a way to be able to test your mettle as opposed to just playing, you know, NAU and, you know, Stephen F. Austin where you smoke both those teams and then the first time you play a good team, you end up losing by 35 points. Talking here with Mike Luke, of course, host of Locked On Wildcats, covering the Arizona Wildcats day-to-day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And, Mike, let's talk a little more of the nitty-gritty here, some personnel stuff. Let's start off with the quarterbacks. Uh, they announced sure. that they are going to go with a two-quarterback system against BYU. What uh, do you make of that overall with Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer expected to split time in Las Vegas? Well, this is just a guess, but I don't know that the quarterback is the future quarterback is on this roster right now. Um uh, Jed Fish opened practice up for the majority of media, and so we got to watch a lot of what uh, you could see out there, and there was two things about both the quarterbacks. Will Plummer's got a lot more physical tools than uh, Gunnar Cruz does. Plummer's got a big-time arm. Uh, he can move pretty well. He just makes a lot of real head-scratching decisions where you're like, what the heck was that? Whereas Cruz, I think, is a little bit of a safer pick, but he holds on to the ball way too long, and 
he has a tendency when there is a big play to maybe not go for it. Now, if you were to ask me, I think Cruz has been better, but it, it's all relative right there to where, yes, you've been better, but you know what? You both have really neither one really separated themselves. And I think Fish, honestly, I think he made the right decision. I think some fans are upset that uh, Arizona didn't go with a, didn't go with a, you know, just a true number one quarterback. But if you were at the practices, you could see that neither one of these guys really separated themselves. And when you're in a, when you're a coach that's taken over for a program that's lost 12 straight games, I have no problem with saying, you know what, both these guys are going to get time. And who knows, maybe one of them's a gamer when the lights come on. Oh, that's the hope. It sounds like to me, if you could combine the two, you'd have a pretty good option, it seems like, right? I think you would have a good option. Um, <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're not uh, – Arizona's not at that, you know, at that kind of that BYU status right now where, you know what, you lose a quarterback that goes, you know, top five in the draft, and you know what, you got another guy coming in that people are optimistic about. That's, uh, that's certainly a way – that's certainly a ways off for the U of A. Yeah, quarterback's best friend is obviously a strong running game. How do the Wildcats look in terms of running back and offensive line? Um, I actually think the running game's decent. That's um, one of the few positions you're going to be looking at a guy, Michael Wiley, who has flashed the last couple years. You know, he's a guy that he's proverbial, you know, limited carries but high yards per carry type guy. I actually think that he's going to uh, be a nice – I think he's going to be a nice feature back for you, uh, Arizona, this year. He's up to about 205. It wouldn't surprise me if he flirts with 1,000 yards this year. The offensive line has a couple good players in it. Um, you're looking at a guy at Donovan Leahy. He's a guy that, you know, might be able to, you know, get into an NFL camp. He's got some real potential there. Um, so – and you've, you've got a guy in Josh McCauley who has been an interior lineman at the U of A for quite a long time. So you've got a couple decent linemen. It'll just be interesting to see what they're actually able to do when the lights come on. Because if I'm BYU, I am 100% stacking the box and I'm making one of those quarterbacks beat me. Flipping over the defense for a minute here. We, I heard the quote from Anthony Pandy saying he was essentially guaranteeing a win over BYU and made a few headlines up here in Utah, obviously, with that. But is he the best defensive player they've got? Is there somebody that may be a little bit better than him? Uh, no, he's not the best defensive player. He's the one that talks the most. But uh, the best defensive player uh, that you guys should all keep an eye on is Jalen Harris. Um, his father was a team captain here back in the 90s or on a Fiesta Bowl team that – finished in the top 10 in the nation. Jalen Harris has really made a lot of strides, and I would expect him to be a guy that will – he's one of the few guys on the roster that I think is going to be – that will probably be an all-conference player. If I were to you know, just tell all your, uh, your fans out there, that's the one guy that I would really zero in on, Jalen Harris, pass rusher. All right, well, yeah, BYU fans, I'm sure, will be keying on him. How do they look on the back end in terms of like the secondary linebacking core? Are they yep. holding up all right? What do they look like? Yeah, it's it's weird because you got you got a kid that came in. He came in from uh, he came in from uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Western Michigan, uh, Trayshawn Hayward, who was a, basically an All American type player, left the team, then came back. Now he's on the roster. I would expect him to play a lot, but this. 
I actually think, honestly, that the corners are going to be fairly decent. You're probably looking at a Christian Roland Wallace. He's going to be manning one of the corner positions. He's one of the few guys on the team. Well, he might actually, I think he's the only guy on the team that had a legit USC offer out of high school. He is, he's going to man one of the other, or one of the corners. And on the back, the other side, you're probably going to be looking at an Isaiah Rutherford, a, who's a Notre Dame uh, transfer. He's a kid that uh, he's looked pretty good in camp. He's a guy that I would certainly keep an eye on. Those are going to be the two guys, though, that I think on the back end that you're really going to want to keep an eye on. Uh, did I see that Jason Taylor has a son on this roster? Is that right? The former he, star Jason pass rusher? Taylor, Jason Taylor does have a son on, his, on the roster. And you know what? He could be good in time. That time just isn't right now. Okay. It's Isaiah Taylor. I think I just pulled it up. There. Correct. Correct. So. Right, that's just uh, it's good to have uh, like NFL Hall of Fame bloodlines in, in a program. I oh yeah, I mean it's one of those things too. Like I'll always take a kid like that if they're borderline good enough, just because it's awesome publicity to have your dad there, like he was at the scrimmages and stuff like that. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so Mike, kind of the last thing for me here is: is there a player that we haven't touched on today? Maybe kind of a, I guess a, a dark horse here could be a standout player this season for Arizona, or maybe even just up against oh. BYU. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the guy that you should definitely keep an eye on is on the offensive side of the ball. His name's Stanley Berryhill. He's, uh, he was their leading receiver last year. Stan's really good. Um, there's not a lot of guys in the conference that I would, or on the team that I would say could start for a lot of teams in the conference, especially at the skill position. Stan Berryhill, the third, is a guy who, um, again, I don't know what the passing game is going to be like, but Stan's going to be open a lot this season. It'll just be interesting to see if the cat, if the quarterbacks can get to him. Well, with the name Stanley Berryhill the third alone, he needs to be a good player. I like that name. Well, well I was going to say, yeah, if you're not a good player, you need to be an actor. Or you need to be something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no doubt about that. Well, Mike, thanks again for taking some time. Looking forward to the game, obviously, and catching up with you down the road. All right. Great, as always. We know BYU Arizona is going to be a regular thing, so look forward to hopping on again at some point. There you go, Mike Luke, locked on Wildcats and Wildcats twelve ninety down there in Tucson. Very interesting to hear him say he doesn't think that the future quarterback is on this roster. Yeah, yeah, no, he. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that he said. Uh, you know, I, I appreciated his honesty with you know those kinds of things. Um, but I, I, I was very interested by what he said about those corners. Mm-hmm. And so that's the matchup that I'm excited to, to watch is to see, you know, cause I do think that BYU is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty talented at the skill positions on offense. And so to see if those corners can, uh, make it an interesting battle, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, P.S. By the way, the the crowd down there at Allegiant Stadium tonight is supposed to set a record for the largest collegiate football crowd in uh, Nevada State history. Wow. BYU actually holds the record. It was the 2008 Las Vegas Bowl, if I recall correctly, against Oregon. Okay. Something like 44,000 and change were at uh, Sam Boyd Stadium, but already 57,000 tickets, according to George Klyovkov, as he tweeted out. So going to set a record in that regard, and it sounds like BYU is going to be making Las Vegas a regular part of the rotation because reports out there, and this kind of confirms a lot of rumors out there, that BYU and Notre Dame expected to play at Allegiant Stadium in 2022. That's that's going to be a fun one. I, you know, I mean, yeah. If you're a college football fan, it doesn't matter of what team. If you're a fan of the sport in general, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's that's worth making the drive. Well, it's going to be a hot ticket because yeah. Notre Dame travels as well as anybody. It might be the best traveling fan base in right. the entire sport. Well, I mean, similar to BYU, they've got fans everywhere. Yeah worldwide because you know their religious affiliation yeah. as well so yeah, their connection to the catholic faith absolutely they 
They would make for a very, very fun game. And reports out there, I think it was Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal with the report saying that it's expected to happen. Uh, both teams do have corresponding open dates next year on October 8th and October 29th. So we'll see. It'd be a fun game. Yeah. There, by the way, there's one other thing about that is that there was, um, I'm trying to think who it was. It might have been, oh, man. I apologize for not giving the due credit here, but there are people down there in Las Vegas that apparently uh, want BYU to play a game there every single year, and they hope it can be a top 25 caliber opponent. Like, So maybe you drag somebody from the SEC, because we already saw the reports that USC and LSU are going to square off there in Las Vegas in 2024. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there is some thought that BYU may use that as a home base. Like, There are teams that just won't go to Provo. Plain yeah. and simple. Like I'd say the vast majority of most Power 5 teams will not travel to Provo, but if you can pitch to them, okay, come play us in Las Vegas, you're going to get some people who are going to bite, I right. think. Well, I mean, there's been the long-standing belief for a while that even though the contract was there for uh, Notre Dame to come to Provo, that Notre Dame mm-hmm. would actually, you know, people didn't think they were actually going to ever follow through with that. But now with the Vegas option, it, yeah. it appears that that's kind of how they're looking to fulfill that part of their contract. Yeah, it's a modification, obviously, on that original agreement because it was a six-game deal originally, four of them in South Bend, two of them in Provo. Then that was modified to a two-and-one, and now the third game, the, the home game for BYU, appears it's going to be played in Las Vegas. I don't have a problem with, with it one bit. If, if, I, if I were a BYU fan, I'd be all over that. Yeah. Because let's be honest, Las Vegas has become like Provo South suddenly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right there. It's a fun place to go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, it's plus that. I mean, I haven't been there, obviously, yeah. but that stadium looks great. Yeah, I, I was I have hopes to get down there and check out Allegiant Stadium myself at some point and hope it's not in the too far distant future. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll get into five minutes of touch on some soccer notes, see if there's anything hockey out there. Maybe talk some high school football. Who knows what will come up next. This is The Saturday Show. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to The Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope y'all are doing great out there. The show's flown by at Lundy. Yeah. Just been kind of just been rolling from thing to thing to thing here. But time for five minutes of where we hit some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to t- touch on today. Uh, we'll get to our picks, by the way. And I made an awful pick last week in college football. <laughs> My belief in a certain team is never to be brought up again. But we'll get to that in just moments. But let's start off with our staple, Saki. Hit it, Eric. Kovacic, lovely ball. Plenty of space here for Reese James. Black stays down to Kaku. Romelu Lukaku scores his first senior goal for Chelsea. In his second debut, $135 million. That's the first installment. Anaba just took that one on. Fluency here from Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr. And oh, my goodness me. Look what he's done! Moves it along the boards. 13.47 left to go in period one. Charlie Coyle is given a wild, a 1-0 lead. Nathan McKinnon with a shot. He scores! The beat goes on for Nathan McKinnon. We're tied! It's the Kure. Not a conventional 1-2, but he's managed to find Gray. And Gray 
Holland stays on his feet. What a chance for Wolf! Mukoku! <laughs> Holland! He's a cheat code! I like that one. He's a cheat code. I like that. All right, so we are talking about soccer and hockey here. Let's start off on the hockey front here, Lundy. And I think some pretty big news for those of you who are Olympics fans and like watching Olympic hockey. Yeah, yeah. No, I as soon as this news broke, I was so excited. Um, An agreement has been reached for NHL players to be able to participate in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. Um, Anybody that was paying attention knows that the 2018 Winter Olympics did not have – NHL players in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NHL refused to postpone its season. It didn't want to let its players go out there. Yeah. Uh, the The commissioner had released some sort of statement that was basically like, "Well, this is our, you know, this is how we make our money. We don't want to lend our product to that and then have our players get injured and blah 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 blah." Which, like, I kind of get, but at the same time, like, it's also your brand that now you're trying to compete. Yeah against a different league basically you know you're trying to split eyeballs during one of the biggest like hockey's biggest moments which are in the olympics and so now you're just hurting your ratings by not suspending and resuming afterwards so you know thankfully i know that that decision was very unpopular with a lot of the players and so uh the nhl players they signed a new collective bargaining agreement in 2020 and uh, the CBA included language to allow players to participate in the 2022 and 2026 Olympic Games uh, contingent on an agreement with the International Ice Hockey Federation and the International Olympic Committee. Um, with the 2022 Olympics, there is an opt-out clause. The NHL and NHLPA can pull out of the Olympics if COVID conditions yeah. worsen okay, or if the 21-22 NHL schedule is disrupted by cancellations and the league feels the need to use the olympic break to make up games okay so um well there's not a definitive like you know we have to decide by this time it's believed to be sometime in early january is the deadline for the opt-out to be enacted by um so if if by early january they haven't elected to opt out of the olympics then NHL players will be in it. And I think that is great for everyone involved. It makes the Olympics better. Uh, it draws more attention to the NHL because everybody's tuning in to see their country play. They see a lot of these NHL all-stars. It gets mm-hmm. them excited about the product. The Olympics end. They want to watch more hockey. The NHL resumes, and they're able to get that fix. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's smart on their part, obviously, to get your, your product in front of more people because it's a global showcase. Right. Like don't don't fight against it. That's just weird. But all right, uh, on the soccer front, are we done? anything else hockey wise? Nope, that's okay. that's it from me. On the soccer front, two things: Real Salt Lake is going to be in action tonight, taking on FC Dallas. It'll be the second game with Pablo Mastroeni as the interim head coach of Real Salt Lake. And I, I've the whole idea that a coach is leaving Real Salt Lake to be an assistant coach inside the division boggles my mind. Weird. It, it, it doesn't sit good with me. Let's just put it that way. I, I have my, I have my issues with it, but you know what? So be it. It, it is what it is. But also, uh, we are in the middle of a FIFA international break, and Major League Soccer does play through these quite often. But we do have the United States men's national team in a uh, not Olympic quali- qualifying, World Cup qualifying. Uh, they opened up the World Cup, World Cup, 
opened up World Cup qualifying, I have to get that out of my mouth, with a 0-0 draw at El Salvador. They'll be facing off against our neighbors to the north, Canada, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So I have a question on okay. that. I know I'm a soccer fan, and this is bad mm-hmm. that I don't know this, but how exactly does World Cup qualifying work? So it used to be what they called the hexagonal, where there were six teams in CONCACAF that they would you played head-to-head. You played two uh, an away and a home match against everybody else. It was ten matches overall, and aggregate points that you collect during those ten matches determined who got one, two, three. I think there was... At that point, there was top three automatically qualified for World Cup. Fourth went into a playoff against Oceania, one of the other uh, FIFA uh, groups. Now, I still think it's the same, but I believe it, it's now, they're calling it the octagon, octagonal. I think there's eight teams in this this time, and Canada's in there, obviously. Uh, U.S. missing out on the World Cup last time was just an absolute demoralizing. Let's put it, it was just demoralizing. The expectations they will qualify for the upcoming World Cup in Qatar, but they've got to do work. And there are people out there who are saying, well, they lost at El Salvador. You know what? In CONCACAF, it's kind of like what we talked about with Major League Soccer. Road points are valuable points. So okay. I, I am a little, I was a little worried about that. They'll be okay, though. I, I think that they if they if they stick to their guns, and by the way, Christian Pulisic did not play in that match in El Salvador. He's still coming back from a positive COVID test. Uh, hopefully he's back on the pitch relatively soon for the U.S. men's national team. And we'll see how they do tomorrow night against Canada. Who are you going to be rooting for there, Lundy? Uh, I plead the fifth. Okay, fair enough. It's, All right. It, my allegiances are torn. I understand that. All right, so there you go. That's five minutes of in terms of Saki. Let's talk a little college football here. Last week we debuted it. Oh, Eric, you had an open. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, Wilson. Going to uncork for the end wow. zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. Oh, a parachute over the shoulder. Come on. Wilson flushed. Intercepted. Picked off by Utah. Francis Bernard, the former BYU Cougar, runs it back. And in the last now between these two that is the eighth defensive touchdown by utah love looking to the end zone it's up it's caught it's a utah state touchdown Scarborough. Scarborough, the las vegas native with his second touchdown reception of the go. season 56 yarder it's got no does not have the leg and chris davis takes it in the back of the end zone he'll run it out to the 10 15 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Insane! Oh my, that 
steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! There you go. The open to our pick'em segment here. Obviously, the NFL will be kicking off next Thursday. Eric, how excited are you to have the National Football League back in your life? Oh, I'm pretty hyped. You're, you're, you're pretty hyped. You, you, pretty do, you, doing, you doing NFL season on Twitter is one of a kind. It's different. It is different. That's very Christian. I, I, w- I woke up uh, Wednesday, and I, I tweeted out something like, the amount of tweets I'm about to send between now and February is unfathomable. Well, you can't even put a number on it. Without fathom. All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about college football. Uh, last week we did a pick em on, th- I believe it was three games overall, right? We did three. I think so. Uh, we did Hawaii, UCLA. Yep. We did San Jose, Southern Utah, and then UTEP, New Mexico State. Now, you three went with the chalk. You three are geniuses. Well, I mean. Well, I duh. <laughs> One of us had a sneaky suspicion that a certain team from the islands was going to come to the Rose Bowl and put up a little bit of a fight he was dead wrong that'd be yours truly my oh, belief in hawaii was completely unfounded sorry what was that eric did you put a drop for us there thought i had a phone back oh there you go thought i did honestly so you guys are up three nothing and i'm two and one so far on the picks on this year so let's go through our week one picks here and most of these picks because our show comes on to kind of midday there's already games going on so we'll be talking about games that happen later on in the day uh, let's start off. We'll, go to, we'll get to the local ones later. Eric does a good job putting these, putting these on there. But let's start off with the national games here. Let's start off with LSU-UCLA. Tigers going to the Rose Bowl here. Obviously, they have been affected by Hurricane Ida. Wendy, where do you lean? Um, sorry, I got a little bit distracted watching <laughs> Oklahoma-Tulane. It was 4th and 13. Did they get the first down? He, I think he was just short. Oh, no. Quarterback scrambled, but he might have made it. I don't think he did, but he might have. Anyway, uh, LSU, UCLA. You know, this one's tough um, because UCLA looked a lot better than I expected. I expected them to beat Hawaii, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect them to look that good. LSU is coming off of a weird 2020 where they gave up, you know, 35 points a game, mm-hmm. uh, which is uncommon for an SEC yes, defense. very much so. Um, I am very interested to see that game. I, based on last week, I'm going to take UCLA. Okay. Ruins over the bat, over the, the boys out of Baton Rouge. Eric, where are you going on that one? Been so back and forth on this all week. Um, I just refuse to believe that, well, there's a narrative right now that Ed Orgeron isn't back to the coach. Okay. That's like kind of his undercurrent in college football like media. I refuse to believe that. They go back to a Joe Brady coordinator this year. They bring in someone new for the defense. Mm-hmm. They have more talent than UCLA. It's so tough. I think I'd take UCLA plus three, but I do think LSU wins. Okay, we're going just straight up. We're going yeah, money yeah. lines. So you're taking LSU then. LSU, okay. yeah. Uh, Lundy, I'm with you. I got some belief in Chip Kelly. I really like what they showed last week. I think that maybe Chip Kelly's got some things turned around here. Could be completely wrong about that, but I'm going to go with the Bruins tonight. Yeah. I mean, this time last week, I thought LSU was going to roll, and uh, I, I don't think so anymore. I think that, 
you know, I think UCLA is going to come away with a win here. All right, uh, next one up, Alabama-Miami. The defending national champions take on the Hurricanes. Where are you going on this one, Lundy? Uh, Alabama. All right. Not, not even a hesitation. Right. Bama Alabama. blowout. Reload. Bama blowout. Wow. Bama blowout. Reload. Okay, so here's the thing. If we were going more by, like, the line and, like, looking at spreads and whatnot, I'd actually take Miami because 19 and a half points is a lot of points. Oh, yeah. Bama blowout. Reload. You really think so? Okay. I think Bama Derek blowout. King, reload. Uh, yeah, no, I would I would, I would, take Derek King to, to, you know, Miami against the spread, but Alabama yeah. wins. All right. I'm going Comfortably. With, I'm going with Alabama to win the game. I, it's very clear. I it's hard to pick Miami and pick against Nick Saban. Let's just put it that way. All right, up next, Georgia-Clemson. This is an intriguing game to me. I, I've got a lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, where are you going? Let's start off with you, Eric, this time. Clemson's best team in the country. I think they are. I know that they lost Trevor Lawrence, but from what I saw from those two games that DJ Uyunglele played last year, especially that Notre Dame performance. He is the best quarterback in the country right now. They okay. are the best roster in the country right now, and they are going to beat Georgia tonight. All right, Eric's going with the Tigers. Where are you going, Monday? You know, I'm a lot less confident in Clemson than Eric is. I, But I'm also not super confident. Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Georgia typically struggles in these high-profile games. And so I'm really torn on this. I think it's going to be close. Okay. And I can see it going either way, but I'm going to take Clemson in a nail-biter. All right. So you're going Clemson. I've been, I'm with you because Georgia, for some reason, just seemingly comes up short more oftentimes than not. But I got a sneaking suspicion. I'm going with the dogs tonight. JT Daniels, former Pac-12 legend. Yeah, JT Daniels. JT Daniels, yeah. former, former uh, Pac-12 player. Yep, USC right there. All right, let's go to the local ones. Start off Utah State, Washington State. Where are you guys going on that front? Lundy? Uh, I'm going Wazoo. All right, Wazoo. Eric? Yeah, Lundy and I were talking about this earlier. I really think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, I, I just... I am totally sucked in by the hype of Blake Anderson. I've like li maybe it's just because I've listened to him too much, but like I'm totally sold. And I think that Wazoo's gonna be more down than people think this year. I, I think that Utah State pulls an upset. All right. I wish I could pick the Aggies in this one, but I got to go with the Crimson Cougars. I got to go with Washington State. And then finally, before we take a break here, BYU Arizona down there, Allegiant Stadium. Wendy, go ahead. Uh, I'm taking Arizona against the spread, but BYU outright. Okay. Eric? Man, the more I thought about this, I think BYU is going to lay the hammer tonight. I think that they, we are about to see, I think a lot of people think that they are going, and this is just my general thought on BYU this year, a lot of people think that they are going to take a big step back from last year. I don't think it's going to be that way. I think Aaron Roderick is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. He's going to be a head coaching candidate at the end of the year. Jaron Hall has experience in the offense. He adds a dimension with his legs. They've got talent in the running back room. They have some good wide receivers. They add Samson and Puka Nakua. I think this offense is going to be explosive this year. I And I think that, <laughs> I mean... I've been thinking about next week's game so much, and I just think that for the first time in a long time, it is a legitimate 50-50 shot. I think BYU is at the caliber of Utah right now, and that they are going to absolutely blow out and embarrass Arizona tonight. 
I'll give you two words I got from somebody inside BYU's program this week. Attack mode. That's the offensive yep. mentality. They're going to blow the doors off Arizona tonight. Yep. I have a big question mark about next week's game, and Eric's thought that these yeah, are on I... equal caliber, but we can discuss that next week. <laughs> there will be a lot I'm of high, man. Talk I'm next high week. on them. All right. So there you You're go. Those are picks. <laughs> there you go. All right. We will wrap up the show next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. We all sacrifice during the college football season, but Jake Hatch gives up more than most. Uh, As my wife uh, calls herself, she calls herself a college football widow during the college football (laughs) season. The father of two and loving husband goes into the wild to forage for that sweet, sweet college football money that keeps him afloat the rest of the year. Is daddy ever coming home? Alex Lumberg is about to take part in a two-part journey. As after a month of football season, he will go back to the never-ending NBA sphere as the Jazz play from October to God knows when next July. So long to Alex's burgeoning dating life. Is daddy ever coming home? And Eric has no life. But any attempts of getting one have long passed by now. Sleep is for the weak. We have arrived. It is time to surrender our bodies, souls, and minds to football. Is daddy ever coming home? (laughs) It's a great question, honestly. Uh, Daddy's always happy, so. Is Is daddy ever coming home? Is daddy happy? That's a great question. Is daddy ever coming home? Well, daddy's always happy, so probably not. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, but there's a good point there to be made, like, my life this time of year is absolutely hectic. I, by the way, any of you out there who feel like my voice sounds a little bit different, my allergies finally caught up with me, so I apologize. Hopefully I didn't sound too bad, but obviously playing at 100% today, let's put it that way. Yeah, no, it's oh, this this time of year, you know, but Eric, well done. That was, that was good. beautiful. That was perfectly accurate, too, especially, you know, I mean, that shot at my dating life seemed a little bit, you know, too, I, I too accurate, about actually. That out, like, no, no, like it, here's the it thing, was though. A little too mean. Here's the thing, though. I had I mean, to have that conversation yesterday. Oh, you did, did you? I did. I had. To, it was like, look, like, I, is I, like, Daddy ever coming home? Basically, it was like, look, like it's it's going to be really hard moving forward for me to find time. Like, I'm not unwilling to find time. It's not you. It's me. Yeah, I'm not unwilling to find time, but it's going to be really inconvenient. Is Daddy to, ever coming like, home? You know, just setting that expectation now. and uh, So if that person gets a, you know, you up at 2 a.m., it's not what they think it is, essentially. Is <laughs> Daddy ever coming home? So, yeah, no, it was uh, it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, hey, look, like, setting the expectation now that it's – my time is going to be extremely limited. And so, like, when you get my frustrated – 300 milligrams of caffeine for breakfast, so I'm back on – you know, I'm back <laughs> feeling normal again, but <laughs> – I, uh, man, I tell you what, I woke up just feeling like just, you know, 
Wait, 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 wait. So you still have one of those terrible energy drinks that you just consume constantly, even after like a great night of sleep? Oh yeah, it's you know it's yeah, so, it's so, more like a dependence now. Yeah, than a, yeah than how addicted? Yeah, I was about to say, how addicted are you? I mean, you know about. <laughs> Do we have normal. one today, by the way? Like, is I Daddy I drink ever it before coming I came in. home? Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. And and to be fair, I'm down to 200 milligrams a day. Oh, jeez, yeah. Just just two. Backing so, it off a little bit. Well yeah. done. All right. So you know, like. Yeah, keeping my health in mind and my, you know, my heart health and, you know, I I want to stretch, you know, instead of dying at 40, I want to, you know, maybe make it out to 45. So, um, but yeah, sorry, my radio show got hacked. That wasn't me. That wasn't my voice. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it. We do, apparently we, none of us have lives. Yep. Nope. That's the gist of this. Well, we do have lives. We That's just, fact. we have sold them. Yeah. To, yeah you know, good point. We, we've, We've sold our souls and everything about us to this sport. And, mm-hmm. on, you know, like not to speak for both of you, but I don't regret it. We're married to the game. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I'm no. married to the game. There are a lot worse things to, to be into. You know, I mean, we could be addicted to all sorts of illicit drugs. But instead, we're addicted to college football, and I think that's okay. And Is daddy ever coming home? All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. It's been an absolute privilege and an honor. Hope you all are doing great out there. Enjoy some college football. As we mentioned, uh, Cougar pregame show, 7 o'clock, live from JCW's. Shortly after that, 8 o'clock, Aggie pregame show with Scott Gerard goes on air. And, of course, we'll have you covered all throughout the upcoming week, uh, recapping everything that's going on in this glorious sport. This has been the Saturday show. For today, what are we looking at? September 4th, 2021, right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Is Daddy ever coming home?